Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Table fan, how are we feeling tonight? If I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac. I'm the pastor and part of the leadership team here at the table. And man, we just want to say welcome. If it's your first time or first time in a long time, we're just so glad that you're here on a Tuesday night and chose to spend your evening with us. So you may be aware that we've been in a series called Modern Romance, right? And we've been, last week we, we kind of started a two-week kind of mini-series um, just talking about dating. Um, so for me and my experience, I've been mar- got married in December. I got married to my wife, Lauren. And um, we had known each other for about, um, about a year and a half, um, and then she joined staff here at First Orlando, right? So she's on staff here at First Orlando, and so now, like, we're, like, I, we had met here at the table, um, but now, like, we're serving on staff together here at First Orlando, on, on, on the church staff together, um, and I kind of started, you know, we started being in meetings together. I'm like, okay, okay, I see this, Lauren. All right, I see you. Um, and then we started kind of, like, running into each other, like, in the hallways, like, around church. Um, and then um, we kind of got caught up in a conversation where it was, like, me and somebody else that was part of the team and Lauren and one of the, one of the women on her team. And we started having a conversation around French fries. To where then, for me, I love French fries. Y'all know this about me? And then I, so then I come in, like, the hottest of hot takes in, in, in this meeting um, where I say, do y'all know the top three fries in Orlando? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, well, number three is Wahlburgers on Church Street. You guys went to Wahlburgers. It's incredible. Mark Wahlberg, who's an actor, he created a burger joint called Wahlburgers. It's genius. And the fries are delicious. They're so good. Number two uh, was the first Orlando Cafe fries pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. I'm being specific. (laughs) Pre-COVID. They changed the recipe. The fries are still good. It's it's not, not quite. Number two. And number one was Magic Kingdom fries. We guys have the fries at Magic Kingdom. They're incredible. They're incredible. So for me, as a fry enthusiast, um, you know, I'm having this conversation with the back hallway, um, and Lauren, you know, she grew up here in Orlando, so she's chiming in, so after that conversation is when I make my move, right? And I say, hey, and we talked about this today, it's confirmed, this was the line that I used, um, hey, do you, do you want to try the number one fry in Orlando? Which is both smooth and dorky at the exact same time, which is fairly on brand for me, if, if you know me well, Right? So, so we go to, to Magic Kingdom, and that was kind of the first time, about a year and a half ago, the first time that we had spent time together there at Magic Kingdom. And it was really fun, but it was also okay. Like, it was just okay, right? And we both admit, like, yeah, it was fun, but it was, it was, it was okay, right? So, so then um, about a month later, we go out again, and we go to Axum Coffee um, in, um, in downtown Winter Garden. Have you guys been to Axum Coffee? It's delicious. If you have not, y'all, for date spots, downtown Winter Garden is really good. So go to Axum Coffee, and then you want to know what happens after that? Nothing. Nothing happens after that. We kind of stopped talking. We had a good time, but like nothing was really going. Nothing was really moving forward. Literally two, three months go by. Like we still see each other here. I'm at work. It wasn't weird. We were still cool. We were still friends, but we did not continue going out. And then you know what happens? She asks me, y'all. Mm-hmm. She did. That's my wife. So she she asks me. Uh, where she says, hey, Isaac, do you want to go to Black Bean Deli to talk about, and I quote, um, life and ministry, right? 
she, she doesn't remember this exactly. I, this is exactly how I remember it. So there's a little bit of disagreement today as we're talking through this. Uh, so, you know, again, Lauren and I were friends. You know, even though we had gone out a couple times and nothing really romantic had come from that, we're friends, right? So I, we go to Black Bean Deli a few months later, and it was awesome, right? And then about a month after that, um, I think I probably asked her this time, and uh, we go to Bar Taco and Dr. Phillips. Part of my reasoning for giving you specific locations is because I'm trying to help you cultivate new ideas. <laughs> So write those down. Those are good spots. Uh, OrlandoDateNight.com uh, is also a great spot for date ideas. Okay. So we go to, uh, so we go to uh, Bar Taco. It was a Monday night. Um, um, it was a Monday night. I remember that. Uh, we go to Bar Taco. Um, so what we had experienced is what we talked about last week. If you were here, this is our experience. Friendly dating. Lauren and I were just getting to know each other. There was very, very little pressure. And what we had experienced and what we would continue to continue moving forward into is friendly dating, right? So um, in friendly dating, as we learned, um, as we learned last week, oh, actually, no, I'm, I'm skipping ahead of myself. Okay, so Lauren, again, what I said, it didn't, before, whenever things didn't work out, um, after um, kind of whenever we kind of nothing really happened, it's because the right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. I'll say it again for the people in the back. The right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. Lauren was the right person, but it was the wrong time, right? So that's why it kind of months went by, because it just wasn't the right time for us, right? And also, this is also true, if it's meant to be, it's going to pass the time test. If it's meant to be, it's going to pass the time test, right? So you don't need to rush things. You don't need to force things. We'll talk more about that, right? But both of these axioms, both of these statements are true, is that if it's the right person at the wrong time is the wrong person, and if it's meant to be, it's going to pass the time test, right? So for us, so we, um, you know, we go to Bar Taco, and then um, after that, we, after Bar Taco, we had gone out kind of four times, um, and then now she's, you know, I'm kind of working here at the table, and now she's starting to serve here at the table, and we're seeing each other a lot more and we had both gotten involved in, um, again, pre-COVID, um, we had like a young professional singles ministry. We had like a lot of events, right? So she was part of the planning team for the events that we would do. So there was going to be a dinner at a house that we were planning for young professional singles. There was five of us on the planning committee. So we planned a dinner um, at this like Asian fusion restaurant for the five of us to all go and have dinner together, but also plan and start making plans for this event. Now, three out of the five people then were not able to make it. So now I'm thinking, okay, Isaac, do I go on a church-sponsored date with Lauren, yes or no? Uh, and I was like, yes. So I asked her, I said, hey, I, said, I, I let her know. I did not buy, bamboozle her by her showing up and like, oh, it's just me. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> So I tell her, hey, Lauren, um, nobody else is able to make it. Um, I'm still willing to go if you want to go, but I understand if you don't want to go, right? And then she, and part of her story later, then she'll talk about later at another time, but from my perspective, all I got was a yes. So we go, and we go to this Asian fusion restaurant, right? This is beginning of, it's like February of, of 2020. Um, and then we start, and part of the conversation is we started talking about the event, um, but we also started talking about, man, there's, there are so few people that, like, love Jesus, but also like to have fun. And we're like, do you, I was like, do you feel that? She's like, yes, I feel that. I was like, I feel that too. Hey, well, I consider you somebody that loves Jesus that also likes to have fun. And I was like, cool, me too. And like, we both agreed. It's like, hey, well, maybe we should, like, love Jesus and go have fun together at another time after this. 
So she's like, that sounds great. And I'm like, okay, awesome. So a few weeks after that, we end up going to another date spot, write this down, uh, Santiago's in Ivan, um, Ivanhoe, pa Ivanhoe Park. Is that, what, is that the name of it? Park, is that the name of it? Yes, yes, okay, I'm getting my, okay. Okay, so, <laughs> so, again, so we continued, and from then on, it became a little bit more, where we started having even more kind of, um, more robust conversations around these friendly dates that we had been, that we had been going on, right? So we continued and experiencing and exploring friendly dating. Um, so last week, we talked about hookup culture, versus purity culture, right? So if you weren't here last week, check it out on YouTube or on Spotify or on Apple, Pod or Apple Podcasts, wherever you um, get your stuff. Okay, so, and so the, it was interesting with me and Lauren because for me, I grew up in purity culture and then later in life kind of started exploring hookup culture, right? Lauren uh, grew up and experienced hookup culture and then later experienced purity culture. And both of us now are on friendly dates and we're like, no, neither of those are good options for us. What we want to do is explore healthy, uh, he just healthy dating, healthy Christian dating, right? And as we talked about last week, there's actually a really clear way to think through healthy dating, right? Healthy dating culture, which is, it's on your screens here, the first phase is you're not dating. You're not. You're not going on dates. You're not getting to know people. You're just not dating. Now, for many of us, the end goal, and even if, even if this may not be your end goal, the end goal that you can just have to ascribe to is marriage, right? So on both sides of the funnel, at the top and at the bottom, at the top of the funnel is not dating, and at the bottom of the funnel is marriage. Now, we get to these really kind of weird two phases in the middle to where last week we talked a lot about friendly dating. And friendly dating is exactly um, what I described in my experience with Lauren, um, as well as um, some takeaways um, that we talked about um, last week, is friendly dating is not only for marriage. We talked about this last week, right? For a lot of us, right? We feel like marriage is this, as I said last week, is this like black hole that just sucks us in. So we're fearful to even go on a friendly date because we feel like even one step into friendly dating is going to shuck us, like take us all the way to marriage. And we're like, ah, I want to stay far away from that, right? And even the thought of going on a date is just very like, ah, I just can't handle that. And I'm just, we have a lot of fear because of that. So most of friendly dating has nothing to do with marriage. Most of friendly dating has nothing to do with marriage, right? Most of the people that you will go on a friendly date on, you will not marry. And you don't need to evaluate the friendly dates based on how much marriage material they are or not. Because friendly dating is where you do fun, meaningful things with interesting people, right? It's, you just do fun, interesting things, or fun, meaningful things with interesting people. It takes the pressure off. Friendly dating, there's no pressure, right? Uh, in friendly dating, we talked about this too, where we get to know different types of people. Uh, we talked about this last week on who to date, who to go on friendly dates with. Go on friendly dates with lots of different types of people because most of us are unaware of what's actually a good fit for us. And as we're processing and going on friendly dates and just getting to know lots of different types of people, um, we will get to really explore and be honest with ourselves around what is a good fit for us, right? If you're a Christian and you want somebody that loves Jesus, that's amazing. There needs to be more than that because that would mean that you walk in here at the table and you're attracted to everyone. And we all know that's not true, right? So there's more, there's more than, there's more to that, right? There's more to your uniqueness that God has cultivated based on your experience, based on your uniqueness. So we talked last week about uh, the list, right? And we talked about my list as I was going on friendly dates. My list, attractive, fun, 
curious, and aware. And this is what friendly dating does. It helps us cultivate this list of what we're looking for, right? Along with some general stuff that we'll talk more about here in a little bit. But the specific stuff, and the specific stuff is what you get to explore in friendly dating. But here's how to not make things weird, right? In friendly dating, do not get physical. Things get weird in friendly dating once people start getting physical. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Roll out, right? So how do you cultivate healthy dating culture while getting to explore different types of people in a healthy way? You don't get physical on friendly dates. It's simple, right? Once you start, well, once you start adding in physical stuff into the dates, right, it starts making things complicated. And right now, we're trying to not make things complicated. We're trying to make things clear. And the way that we make things clear is we don't have physical, um, physical romance, physical touch on um, friendly dates. And I made a joke last week that hugs are okay. Okay, and if you want, if you want more details um, on this, and you really want to explore this in detail, the most helpful book, along with the Bible, um, that I can prescribe is How to Get a Date Worth Keeping by Dr. Henry Cloud. It is immensely helpful um, and really helped really shift my perspective on, on dating and on friendly dating. Okay, so now let's say, but that's, that, that was last week's message. That was a recap of last week's message. If you want more of that, go listen. Um, here's, here's what we're talking about today. How do we move from friendly dating into exclusive dating? How do we know if someone is someone to be exclusive with, right? So um, if, so let's say you're going on friendly dates and you're going out and you're having a good time and perhaps you're even getting to know different types of people, but man, just one person just seems to be sticking out and it's not just you, right? They also, you also seem to be sticking out to them, right? And there's like a mutual spark and, and you've gotten to know different types of people. You have your list and they just seem to be, so for me, my list was attractive, fun, curious, and aware, right? So I'm going on friendly dates with Lauren and I'm realizing, oh my gosh, Lauren is so attractive. Lauren is so fun. Lauren is so curious. Lauren is so aware. She's one of the most aware people that I know. There was a spark, right? There seemed to be something more. There was something different about her. There's something about her that I really enjoyed, right? So if there is a spark, if there's interest, Here's what you do. Here's how you move from friendly dating to exclusive dating. Keep your friends involved. Keep your community in the know of the people that you're considering becoming exclusive with. What typically happens is we'll start isolating and pulling away out of what our friends may say, and we don't even want to deal with that, so we'd rather just go sneak around to be able to do our own thing. More on that later, but keep our friends, keep our friends involved, right? Um, don't get exclusive immediately. The, the tendency is we'll go on one date and there's a spark, right? And then we're like, yeah, we, you don't, I don't, we don't even need to name it. Like we're, we're pretty much exclusive and we're making out and we're kind of, you know, hooking up, borderline hooking up. It's okay, right? But it's still kind of ambiguous, but this is kind of how, how we're living right now. And, you know, uh, um, let, me, let me tie things off with this other person over here. That way I can stop being guilty so I can just keep pursuing kind of the, the thing over here, right? And there's like this really weird, don't get exclusive immediately, right? Uh, keep your boundaries. Slow the process down. Keep your friends involved. Don't get exclusive immediately, right? And keep your boundaries. So how ultimately do you know whenever you move from friendly dating into exclusive dating? When there's clarity. Clarity brings exclusivity. Clarity brings exclusivity. Do not assume 
that you are exclusive, right? This is one of the biggest downfalls is people will just assume exclusivity, right? So and people, it's funny, people will even assume exclusivity, I think I said this last week, of even in the non-dating phase, where you just become exclusive with someone without even telling them. And now you've shut yourself off to every other person because when you're in an exclusive relationship, that's the healthy thing to do is to shut, off to every, shut yourself off to every other person. But we'll shut ourselves off to every other person before we even start a friendly date or even like after the first date of the friendly date, right? So we know there's, we can move into exclusivity um, whenever, whenever there is clarity, right? Um, so don't assume exclusivity and don't rush, and, don't assume exclusivity and don't rush into exclusivity. And if it's meant to be, it's going to pass the time test, right? So for me, I talked about kind of my healthy dating culture. For me, from like 2010 when I was in college to 2018 or so, I was a serial exclusive dater. What do I mean by that, right? I was like, is that, can you do that? Is that okay? I was a serial exclusive dater. What I mean by that is I would jump from an exclusive relationship to an exclusive relationship, to an exclusive relationship, to an exclusive relationship, and then go on one day, another exclusive relationship, and I was not friendly dating, and I was not getting to know different types of people. So what would happen is I would be in a bad relationship, into another bad relationship, into another bad relationship, into another bad relationship, and years would go by, and I'm like, man, why aren't these relationships working out, right? They, they don't, like, it's months down the road, and I feel like this person is not a good fit for me. And my friends were like, yes, Isaac, we could have told you, like, four months ago this person was not a good fit for you. And I'm like, why didn't you? And they're like, we tried to. You didn't listen. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. So that, this is me. I was a ser serial exclusive, uh, exclusive dater, right? And not really taking the time. But if you're unlike me for a long time, or if you're like me starting later in 2019, um, if you're taking time going on friendly dates, then here's the question we're going to ask, is what does moving from friendly dating into exclusive dating look like, right? So after multiple friendly dates, it's, again, it goes back to clarity. Clarity brings exclusivity. Clarity brings exclusivity. You have, there's a, a term, I thought it was just like a Christian term, and then I realized it's not just a Christian term, the uh, DTR. Have you guys heard this? The DTR? Define the relationship, right? But the DTR does not necessarily need to be just a one-time conversation. You can actually have lots of DT, maybe, maybe not like every day, like, hey, what are we? Like, every, next day, hey, what are we? Next day, hey, what are we? Are you ready yet? I'm waiting. Are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, whoa. You don't need to do that. But there, as you're going through friendly dates, again, if there's any ambiguity, the kindest thing you can do is ask what, what the clarity is, right? So having a DTR, having a clarity, a, a clarifying conversation brings exclusivity, right? Um, um, people may be on different pages, when it comes to exclusivity, and you can't fault the person for that. If you seem to be all in, like on date three, but they're not all in, then you have two options. Uh, you can either wait for them to be all in, or you've realized you've got all the information that you need, and you move on, right? But here's what you don't do. Don't guilt trip them. Don't force them into becoming exclusive. And if you are getting to know them in a friendly way, right, and then after date two, you find out the audacity that they're friendly dating other people, <gasps> you can't fault them for that. Now, if they're being physical, that's weird. Break up with them. You don't need that, right? But if they're getting to know other people as you should be getting to know 
different types of people. And if we're cool, we don't need to make things weird. I talked about this last week, is can you go on friendly days with multiple people? Yes and no, there needs to be wisdom. Um, but f- uh, once you move into exclusive dating, here's this phrase that gets used, is boyfriend and girlfriend, right? Now, <laughs> here in front row, I was like, oh, cuties. <laughs> uh, now, I-, I find it weird, people that will admit that they're exclusive, but then do not call themselves boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And like, oh, yeah, we're exclusive, but yeah, we're not boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm like, okay, well, what do you mean by exclusive? Like, what? And I'm not... Um, um, uh, I just think it's worth the conversation or asking ourselves why, why we're willing to call ourselves exclusive but not willing to call ourselves boyfriend-girlfriend. There seems to be more going on. I think it's worth a conversation. Okay, so what, so for the rest of our time, we're going to answer this question. So let's say, so that's the process of moving into, from friendly dating into exclusive dating. So now we're going to answer, now that we're clearly, with clarity, in the, um, in the phase of exclusive dating, what does healthy exclusive dating look like, right? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 24. Um, now, as, we, as you're turning there, um, I said this last week, there is not a single passage in the Bible on dating the way we know it today, right? So the passage we're about to read is not about dating, but here's what the Bible talks a lot about. It's how to become a healthy person. So when you have one incredibly healthy person that is exclusively dating another incredibly healthy person, that will be an incredibly healthy relationship. So the passage we're going to look at helps guide us and helps frame our minds around what does it look like just to become a healthy person. So in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, whoopsies, um, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Harry Potter fans, anybody? Sorcery, it's in there. Uh, Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. I know some of you are reading this and feeling so convicted right now. It's cool. Well, we can process. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Did you know the Bible had the word orgies in it? It does. It's right there. (laughs) Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, right? Now, as you're reading that list, you're like, man, ah, the good old days, right? (laughs) I remember, I remember back when that was my life, and man, sheesh, I got got some stories, yo. So, but the, as, the, as the, the, the author Paul, and Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, he's saying, hey, look, these are works of the flesh, right? Hey, these are what life is like outside of Jesus, right? When your life is outside of Jesus, this is how we live, right? And Paul's saying, hey, look, I'm just describing what life outside of Jesus looks like. I'm describing what dating outside of Jesus looks like, right? I'm describing what hookup culture looks like outside of Jesus, right? So Paul says, I warn you, he continues, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the point that I'm trying to make, is that the kingdom of God is the truest things in life that we long for, um, the truest things in life that we crave, the, the truest happiness that we want, the goodness that we want, the beauty that we want, the truth what we want, us wanting to feel whole, us wanting to feel safe, us wanting to feel peace in the midst of exclusive dating is only found 
in the kingdom of God. The things that we're looking for in dating are only found in the kingdom of God. And here's what living in the kingdom of God and dating looks like. Paul continues in verse 22 where he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll read this list again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, look, whenever we become a Christian, we take off our old self and we put on our new self. We are incapable of putting on our new self outside of the power of the Holy Spirit made possible by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So whenever we say that we believe in Jesus, this is the gospel, this is the good news, is that we're dead to our old life and the things in life that we really want, the goodness in life, the peace that we want, us just getting to be with God is made possible through Christ Jesus. So we're dead to our flesh, we're dead to our old way of life, we're dead to our old way of dating, and we're born again and resurrected into our new way of dating, which, which is dating that leads to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? So this should be our aim. In dating, especially when we get to exclusive dating, this is the aim, is that we ourselves become people that are marked by these things, that we ourselves are people that just exhibit kindness, that we are people that are good, that we are people that have self-control, that we are people that are loving, that we are people that are faithful, that we're people that are gentle, right? This is what our aim, as well as this becomes the marker or the aim of the people that we're in an exclusive dating relationship with. Does this make sense, right? This is our aim, and this is the aim of the person that we're with, right? Or should be the aim of the person um, that we're with, right? So, because we want to be healthy people living in the kingdom of God, and we want the person that we're with So also be a healthy person living in the kingdom of God. And now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can change them. I can. I can do it. Right? If they just spend a little more time around me, I think I I can get them. I think I'm going to be a little more kind. I think I'm going to be a little more loving. Right? Just give me more time. I just need more time. I can do this. Right? No. You're finding someone, and this is part of the friendly dating process, you're finding somebody that is already on their path toward these things. And as you come into their story, they're already on this path, and you just get to be a champion and a cheerleader for them as they're on this path toward becoming a healthy person. You are incapable of making somebody healthy. You can't do it. You can't, you can't even do it for your, shout out Lucas, you can't even do it for your, hear me that, you can't even do it for yourself. You can't make yourself healthy. Only Jesus can make you healthy. You can't make somebody else healthy. Only Jesus can make them healthy. Only the Holy Spirit can make them healthy, right? So as we're thinking through exclusive dating, man, is the Holy Spirit evident in their life, right? If you're, if you're following Jesus, right? Now, I know that's not everybody in the room, so what I'm saying right now is, like, Holy Spirit, I, I just, bro, I just showed up. I got a free latte. I'm sitting here. I don't know what's going on, right? And that's okay. Let me show you where your life is going. You didn't even know this. Here's where your life is going if you're here tonight. Your life is going that you're becoming a healthy person following Jesus, being powered by the Holy Spirit. You may have absolutely no idea what that means, and, even, and we love you, and we're going to journey with you if you allow us to. 
But as we're processing dating, this is the path that we're on, and this is the path that the people that we're with are on. So for the rest of our time, four habits of healthy, exclusive dating. Here are four habits of healthy, exclusive dating. Number one is we want to maintain healthy, here's the word, interdependence. Healthy interdependence. What does that mean? I wanted you to imagine the letter A. Like, this is Sesame Street, y'all. Imagine the letter A. And what the letter A symbolizes is not interdependence. Here's what the letter A symbolizes is codependence. If you think of the letter A, right, the actual structure of the frame, right, you see kind of one side that's going like this, and another side. Has any cheerleaders in the room? You've done this, spelled out letters? There we go, I got some here, right? And you're spelling out letters. That's kind of what some dating relationships look like, right? To where two people are just leaning so hard on each other, right? And if one person lets go, the other person crumbles. This is codependency. This is, I can't even imagine my life without this person or I would be miserable, right? I can't even think of um, what, my, what my week would be like. Whenever they go out of town, I'm miserable. When they can't spend time with me, I'm miserable. I don't even know who I am without them, all right? This is codependence, right? Where, um, where th- people will even <laughs> um, only go by like their celebrity couple name, Right? So it's no longer, it is no longer like I and I, but it is like we. Right? And then one person will text on behalf of both of them all the time. Right? And it is we. We can't do that. Oh, no. We, oh, no. We're doing this. Oh, no. We can't do that. Oh, no. We can't be there. Oh, we're running late. Right? And it's okay. Like if somebody's driving and you're like, hey, can you just text because I'm driving right now? Like I think that's okay. But it's all the time. Right? There is no individualness. It is only the couple identity um, together. Right? Um, and there's, uh, yeah, the, the opposite of that is the letter, say with me, H. Y'all didn't know what letter I was going to say, so you can say with me. It's okay. <laughs> the letter H, right? And here's what the letter H is. You have one person standing here and another person standing here, and they are strong, and they are independent, and they do their own thing, y'all. And they don't consider the other person ever. Ooh, that got real dark. Right? Where, like, you're just living your life, and the other person is living your life, right? And then it's like, are y'all together? Like, oh, yeah, we're together. Are you sure? You'll never spend time together. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know, but it's better that way. I'm like, is it? Like, yeah, because, like, I like the idea of me being in a relationship, but I don't actually want to be in a relationship. Right? So I'm going to hang out with the boys, or I'm going to hang out with the girls all the time. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm never going to consult them. Actually, they have almost no emotional impact on me. I don't really consider them emotionally at all. So and if we were to break up, if we were to not be together, I don't care. They're lucky to be with me. <laughs> right? Sheesh, come on. So in this, there's little, there's almost not even a... Um, somebody may jokingly give this person like a celebrity couple name and they're like, don't you ever utter those words ever again. I am me, right? <laughs> so um, if, if somebody lets go, you don't feel anything, right? So that's independent. That's not healthy in an exclusive dating relationship. If you feel that way about somebody, that's what friendly dating is for, right? Because you're going to go on friendly dates with people that you feel that way about. And if you feel that way about them, don't enter into an exclusive relationship with them. Okay, but the best way, the best way to do it is the letter 
Okay, what do y'all think? Sarah, can we put it up? L. Say it with me, the letter M. Here's what, thank you, Sarah, you're doing a good job. <laughs> Here's what the letter M does, right? As you can see, there is one um, really strong side that can stand on its own. All right, I know this font's a little weird because the, the middle part doesn't come all the way down. And you're like, I don't think that's structurally sound if you take out the other side. No, but imagine the letter M, right? Um, so with one side that's fully independent, and the other side that's fully independent, and these two independent people choose to spend time right next to one another. This is interdependence, right? This is where you choose to spend time, you choose to consult, you choose to be emotionally involved, you care. When the other person hurts, you care. But also, you can do your own thing, and the other person is okay with you doing your own thing. But you also care about them deeply, but you also do your own thing, right? So you spend time together. You spend really fun dates together. Dating doesn't stop in friendly dating. You still go on dates and exclusive dating. You still go on dates in marriage. Ah, right? You still do. Doing fun things with interesting people still happens in marriage. It still happens in exclusive dating. Some of us feel this to where we don't go out anymore, right? Why don't we go out anymore, right? We can still go on dates, do fun things. Now, you're not going out with a lot of people. You're going out with one person. And that's what exclusivity means. You're going out with one person, right? But you can still do fun things. But interdependent people spend time together, but they also spend time apart. They consult each other for decisions, but they also make their own decisions, right? Interdependence. The best picture that I got of this, I did not experience this until I started dating Lauren. I did not know what this was like, right? So some relationships that I had, it was incredibly codependent. Um, other relationships that I had, um, I, it was independent and like I just didn't care. And it was like, and I was, um, um, yeah, I just didn't care. Um, I started dating Lauren and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I really care about her. But also she's like really okay with me like being able to do my own thing. Like for me, like I do ministry, I like hanging out and I meet with a lot of people one-on-one, -on -one, right? So Lauren would not like, oh my gosh, Isaac, do you have another one-on-one? Ah. -on -one? She never said that, ever, right? She was like, oh, I'm so glad you get to spend time with that person. That's awesome. I hope you have fun, right? There was um, even a season where, um, you know, I would have, you know, things going on kind of regularly during the week, like for uh, a group that I was, that I was a part of, um, and um, she was like, oh, ha ha have a really fun time at group. You know, we'll, we'll hang out after. We'll just see each other. We'll see you tomorrow, right? And even in decision-making, right? Like, I would make these decisions, um, and I'm thinking, oh, no, did Lauren oh my gosh, does she like the decision that I make? Like I ordered the number seven at McDonald's. Does she, is she okay with me that I've ordered the number seven at McDonald's? Is she okay that I even ate McDonald's today? I don't know. I'm so concerned. Oh no, oh no. And I'm like so stressed. And Lauren is like, Isaac, eat McDonald's. Give me a number nine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so insert, insert dependence. Fine, I'll say this on interdependence. I may step on some toes and it's okay. I'm, I'm ready for it. You can be mad at me and it's okay. Um, in exclusive dating, you are not looking for somebody to lead you spiritually. That happens in marriage. That does not happen in dating. So if you are sitting here and like, I'm ready, I'm ready for somebody to lead me spiritually, here's what we do in dating. I love, again, a couple weeks ago, Dan did such a good job talking about singleness. Up until covenant marriage, you are single. Even when you are dating, you are single. And you need to think like a single person, which is why interdependence is so amazing, because you think like a single person, you're just choosing to be single with someone else. Does this make sense? Um, I don't think I'm making sense. I'm getting blank stares. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, when, when, when we're single, we need to operate like we're a fully independent, emotionally stable adult. 
and we'll move through life like we're a fully independent, emotionally stable adult. So interdependence is two people choosing to do that. So functionally, you're still single in the eyes of dance of the law, the land, of the Lord, right? So we're still single. Um, and that ha- you're still single up until wedding day. If you have not had a wedding day, if you have not exchanged vows with rings and a big ceremony, you are still single, right? And the Bible is incredibly clear, right, with this, this idea of headship and this idea of leadership in the family does not happen until marriage. So if you're dating and you're waiting for someone to lead you spiritually, that will never happen. And if, I'll assume it's a he, if he is trying to lead you in dating, that is not healthy. It's not healthy because only imagine what's going to happen in marriage, if you think he's incredibly domineering now, oh, just wait till marriage, right? If you think he's incredibly decisive now and doesn't give any room just to process and for you to be, it only gets worse, right? So here's what we want to do now. We want to ourselves be just a healthy, independent adult, find someone else who is an incredibly healthy adult, and us just choose to spend time together. But right now is not the time we're looking for somebody to lead us spiritually. We need to be leading ourselves. That's our responsibility. Okay, number two. Number two, keep your boundaries. Keep, keep your boundaries. If you're in residency, we talk about this a lot in residency too, but um, boundaries are basically, um, imagine it as your property line, right? And inside your property, and like you're the owner of a property, right? This is Orlando. Very few of us own property. <laughs> uh, uh, imagine it like uh, the, the bedroom that you rent, but you also share with someone else. But like it's like your side of the bedroom. Is that a little more accurate? Okay. So your boundary. So these are your words, your feelings, your attitudes, your behaviors, your time, your choices, your thoughts, your opinions, your dreams. These are yours. Nobody can take this from you. So as you're thinking through exclusive dating, what's going to happen as you're spending so much time with someone else is their boundary is going to line up right next to your boundary, right? But it's important to keep, um, keep your boundary line when it comes to your decision-making, when it comes to your opinion, when it comes to your feelings, excuse me, whenever it comes to what you want to do, right? Keep your boundaries. And here's how this plays in really strongly, right? Because some of you, I have not even said physical yet, but some of you already went there when I said physical, right? So here's the question when it comes to keep your boundaries. How far is too far in an exclusive dating relationship? In friendly dating, there is no physical contact uh, other than hugs, right? Um, Disagree, that's okay, right? I'm saying in a way to keep things clear, in a way to keep things where you don't feel weird afterward, in a way to live life free of regret, my, my advice to you would be in friendly dating, there is no very little to no physical contact. In exclusive dating, yes, it's great. It's amazing, right? Right. That's where hand-holding can come into play, right? That's where kissing comes into play. That's where snuggling can come into play, right? So if you're a snuggler, you can do that. It's okay in exclusive dating relationship, right? But here's what we need to do is we need to figure out what we want our boundary to be when it comes to physical touch, when it comes to physical romance, and enforce them as soon as somebody tries to encroach on our boundary. So if this is our boundary and this is what we're comfortable with when it comes to physical touch in exclusive dating before marriage, and somebody tries to come in, right, and then tell us, oh, that's your boundary? Oh, oof, I don't like that. Here, let me just keep, let me just keep pushing. I'm just going to keep pushing. I'm just going to keep pushing. I'm just going to keep pushing. Oh, we're here, right? And you don't feel good, and they don't care right? Because they got what they wanted, right? So if somebody pushes you past your values or your choices, you stand up and say no. And if they do not respect your no the first time, this goes for not even just physical stuff, 
If somebody does not respect your no, they are not a healthy person, leave immediately. They are not a healthy person. If they cannot, if they cannot handle being told no, right? So in how far is too far, I've heard this before, and I, I think this is the most helpful way to say it, and hopefully there's no kids in the room. Okay, how far is too far? If your body is preparing itself for sex, it's time to slow down. Do I need to get graphic? No, okay. So if you're, I'm not even going to, okay. If your body is preparing itself for sex, you know what that means, and if you don't, you don't need to worry about anything. <laughs> if your body... <laughs> Come back, come back, come back. If your body's preparing itself for sex, it's time to slow down, it's time to stop, it's time to acknowledge what's happening, it's time to kind of pump, pump, pump the brakes a little bit, right? Um, if, how far is too far, if you start omitting details to your Christian friends, if you start talking about your relationship and your physical relationship with your exclusive, with your significant other, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, and you start omitting details because you think you may be judged for what you may be doing behind closed doors, it's possible that you're doing things that you yourself deep down don't actually want to do, right? If you're following Jesus, if we have the Holy Spirit, deep down, we'll be honest, we don't actually want to do them, even though, you know, there's stuff that we need to navigate, uh, navigate through that. But whenever we start omitting details to our Christian friends, I would raise a question if we're too far. Okay. Also, I already, I already mentioned, um, you know, hand-holding, kissing, cuddling. Um, now, there's, from, um, from what I mentioned to, like, um, sexual intercourse, there's a lot of gray area, right? You know, and you know there's gray area, and you're like, okay, Isaac, but in the gray area, like, I hear you, like, kissing, cuddling, hand-holding, I hear you, but, bro, there's like 47 steps before we get to, before we get to um, sexual intercourse, right? Um, here's the phrase that I want, to, I want us to think through, and Paul says, it, or Paul says it earlier, where he says, sexual immorality. So as you're asking how far is too far, right, I want you to have an honest conversation with Jesus, about what it means to be sexually immoral for you in your exclusive dating relationship. And you process that with your life group, you process that with your discipleship group, you process that with your, maybe siblings, parents would be really weird, I wouldn't do that. Uh, maybe, unless you have like, um, yeah, maybe you do have that relationship with your parents. Um, but you just, you have really honest conversations around, um, around sexual immorality, and I'm gonna give you a head start. Um, if it involves genitalia, you're probably the, on the path of too far, and I feel pretty, yeah, pretty good about that. Okay, so, so with that, so if we're saying, hey, we want to avoid going too far, right, because we know that ultimately we don't feel good whenever we do that, um, and it's not like a rules legalistic thing, we just know that we feel the most peace and goodness and wholeness whenever we're remaining, um, you know, we're abstaining from sexual immorality and we're fleeing sexual immorality. Um, we're having a whole week on sex in a few weeks, so if you're curious, this, this topic, we're going to talk a lot more about that later. Um, um, but the way, that, the way that we do is we set our boundaries, right? And boundaries, if you imagine a car, boundaries are set in the safety zone. They're not set in the danger zone. When you set boundaries in the danger zone, you're already off the cliff. So you set boundaries in the safety zone. You set boundaries before you know you have a little more room to go, but you set a boundary in the safety zone. Why? Because when you get to the danger zone, it's too far. So perhaps for you, a boundary is I need to leave by 9 p.m. 
right? Or I need to leave by 10 p.m. Or I need to leave at whatever time. Because just for me, I just know that I'm once later, I just make bad decisions later at night, um, and it's not wise for me to be over so late because that's whenever bad decisions get made, right? So I'm going to leave at a certain time. Perhaps it's alcohol, right? Um, if you're over the age of 21 and consume alcohol, perhaps you realize that there's a pattern that whenever you consume alcohol together, things happen. So perhaps the boundary is it's not wise for us to drink alone, just us two, right? Because we keep doing things that ultimately we don't want to do, right? So whatever it be, um, uh, the Bible is not, it doesn't give like explicit instructions on this other than being a healthy person, but you're not going to find a page of like, Hey, um, hey, Isaac, here's the, the 47 rules that you need to have a healthy dating relationship. You're not going to find that, right? So what you need to do is use wisdom, and you're going to create rules for yourself, guidelines for yourself, in order, like, you knowing your story, your experience, the, the backstory that you've had, knowing how you're bent, and what may be a guideline for you, a boundary for you, may not be somebody else's boundary, right? So somebody, you may hear somebody else's boundary and you're like, oh my gosh, you're a child. Those are your boundaries? Like, you need to be an adult. No, they're actually the most adult in the room because they set really healthy boundaries for themselves, right? Because they know themselves really, really well, right? So, um, so with me and my, my story, so I grew up, I think I mentioned this, I grew up in purity culture and then ventured into hookup culture and, um, and then was coming out of that and processing dating and trying to venture down healthy dating. So my, um, at the time, my boss friend mentor, he was incredibly aware of everything in my life and I was very open with him. Um, and whenever I started dating Lauren, what he would do is he would text me every day at 9 p.m. And he would text me three words, go to sleep. <laughs> every day for a year. Every day for a year, he would text me, hey, Isaac, go to sleep. And I would respond to him, right? Okay, hey, hey, thanks, man. Uh, his name was Doug. Some of you, many of us know him. Some of us don't. Um, so I was, thanks, Doug. Appreciate it, bro. Um, so, so then, so he texts me every single day, every single day, every single day. It's just a helpful reminder. Hey, Isaac, I love you, man. I'm processing with you. I'm for you. I want to help you be accountability for, for the boundaries that you want to set um, with Lauren. Um, and then on my wedding day, he texts me, don't go to sleep. Okay, what about, um, okay, so how about this? So how far is too far? We answered that. Okay, what about this one? Um, um, and I'm saying this, I'm saying, even before we put the question up, hear me say, um, I'm saying with all the love and the compassion in the world, and there is no condemnation for this next question. But I think in order for me to be as pastoral and helpful as possible, I don't know your exact situation. You may be in the situation right now with the question that I'm about to put up. Um, I don't, again, I don't mean to bring condemnation or shame or guilt. And this is, the table's an incredibly safe place, but in order to be faithful um, to this, I, I, need to, I need to address this. So here's the second question. Um, what about living together, right? What about living together? Okay, so, so with this, um, if th those of us that are living together, uh, we may feel like there's actually good reasons for this, and the good reasons are typically, um, hey, it's really practical, like we're sharing bills, we're sharing bills or we are, um, um, you know, just for really practical, kind of pragmatic reasons, you know, we're living together, or, you know, we're in between places or, or whatever it may be, um, or typically the second reason is to find out if you really get along. Right? to find out if it's really going to work, right? Try it before you buy it. How do we know that we're going to enjoy a lifelong, a lifelong living together if we don't actually live together? How do we know that? And in some sense, it makes sense. So that's why logically it kind of makes sense um, that, that some, some would do that. But here's what research has proven. This isn't even Christian research. This is just research across the board from psychologists, is that couples who live together tend to be less satisfied with their relationships and more likely to divorce than couples who do not. The couples that live together tend to be less satisfied 
and more likely to divorce than couples who do not. And here's why. Here's three reasons why. Um, uh, with the funnel, it's really clear where you are, what phase you're in. You're either not dating or you're um, friendly dating or you're exclusive or you're married, right? And those are kind of the four categories, and it's pretty clear what category you're in, what phase you're in. Here's what living together does. It slides. It doesn't decide, right? It, it slides. It moves through. It kind of phases from one phase into the other phase. So where, you know, we, we go out. Right? And then we enjoy going out, and we're going out again, and then from going out a dent, um, it turns to a sleepover, and so sleeping over a lot, and so just living together, and so getting a drawer, and so getting a spot at the bathroom, right? It just kind of slides and just kind of moves, uh, moves that way. And it's not marked by clarity, and it's not marked by a ring, and it's not marked by a ceremony, or, um, or not e- sometimes not even a clarifying conversation around where we are and kind of what we're doing here. Right? And couples typically often won't even talk about why they want to live together and what that will mean for them, um, really deep down, if, if they were to be honest. Um, and here's reason number two, um, asymmetry. Stereotypically, what will happen is women will want to live together as a step toward marriage, where stereotypically men will want to live together as a means to stall marriage. And you can see how now these couples are on different pages, because stereotypically the woman just wants to move forward into marriage and thinks, okay, this is the next step, finally, you know, this is, this is the path that we're on, uh, whereas stereotypically the man will, like, no, 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 okay, living together, that'll quiet her for a few years, right? And have you guys ever seen the movie, How to, um, uh, He's Just Not That Into You? Okay, it's an incredible film. Um, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I cannot, like, prescribe the film. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you happen to watch it, it can be helpful. Okay. Okay, and reason number three, um, typically the standards for people that we'll live with are lower than somebody that we'll marry. So to some extent, we're, we're, we're settling, right? We're, and it's like this really weird dichotomy of like we're committed but not committed. We're committed. We're living together, but we're not committed. We're not getting married. But we're committed. I'm with you. But we're uncommitted. I can move out at any time, right? Um, unless my name's on the lease and then it kind of gets weird in that way. Um, but, but what that typically does, um, this is not necessarily everybody, but overall kind of what that does is it'll create a lot of stress and anxiety and ambiguity, right? It just creates stress and anxiety and ambiguity and this constant tension of like kind of what are we and where are we going and are we, are we going anywhere? And what it does is it's this tension of um, maybe you'll do versus I do, Right? This tension of, I borrowed that from a book that I'll describe in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so if that was clever, that wasn't me. Um, uh, what it does is like, yeah, I'm trying, seeing where this goes. Maybe I'll do, we'll see. It gets real, gets real unclear, real ambiguous, causes anxiety. Right? Um, versus a very clear, definitive, I do, and I'm committing my life to you. That's how much I love you. Right? So, so that's why, again, if you want to, if that's your situation, um, there is no condemnation. Um, I would love to have a conversation if you're curious and exploring that more. Uh, welcome to the table. We love you. Um, I don't think it's best, but if you choose to best, I'd love to talk through that and process with you. Okay, number three. Um, consistently evaluate the five C's. Consistently evaluate the five C's. What do I mean by that? Um, we, we mentioned this last week um, as, we're, as we're going on friendly dates, but when we're exclusively dating, this is evaluation time. Okay, here's the big idea for um, um, in exclusive dating. The big idea is we, we're, we're discerning who we want to be with. 
And whenever we're exclusive with someone, we're really processing that and discerning that. And here are the five C's that are incredibly helpful when you're in the friendly dating process, and especially when you're in the exclusive dating process. Consistently evaluate the five C's with the person that you're exclusively dating. Uh, firstly, is character. Character. What is their character like? We mentioned the, the fruit of the Spirit earlier. Um, does their character exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Does their character exhibit the fruit of the Spirit? And maybe I'll ask it this way. Do they do what they say they will do? Are they constantly making excuses for why they're not doing what they said they would do? If they're constantly making excuses, they don't have good character because people with high character do what they say they will do, right? And communicate and are clear, right? How, also, another thing with character, how are they at receiving feedback? If you notice something in their life and you're, hey, hey, I care about you. Uh, can I give you feedback on this? This is something that I've noticed. And they get incredibly defensive and they always have an excuse for why they're doing what they're doing and they're unwilling to change, they're unwilling to receive feedback, they do not have high character. That is not somebody that you want to be with. Consistently evaluate the five C's. How are they, uh, do they do what they will do and how are they at receiving feedback? Next is consistency. Are they a consistent person or are they inconsistent, right? What's the trajectory of their life? Do they have, oh, I, I skipped over, uh, no, um, um, I'm good. You're, you're good. I was wrong with you, Sarah. We're good. Okay. I'm, consistency. Apologies. We're having a little sidebar conversation. Um, uh, so can, are, they, are they consistent, right? Are they consistent? Um, do they, do, yeah, are, do, um, the trajectory of their life, is it consistent, right? Consistency breeds momentum. Are they consistent, right? So you want to look for somebody who's consistent, not somebody who's, you know, people that are like all over the place, like high, low, high, low, high, low, high, low, high, low, high, low. Have you ever dated that person? And you're like, ah, I'm exhausted. It's like a roller coaster, right? And you're like, oh no, I may be that person, right? <laughs> and, and some people may describe it. So here's, here's how people describe inconsistent people. Oh, they're just really passionate, they're a really passionate person, right? I actually like that about them. I like that they're so passionate. No, they're emotionally unhealthy and they're taking you along for the ride, right? And we describe it as passion, right? Uh, um, are they consistent, right? Next is competency. Do you, feel like, like, do you feel like the adult in the relationship or do you feel like they're an adult in the relationship with you, right? Do you feel like they're, you're the adult in the relationship, or do you feel like they're an adult in the relationship with you? Do you feel like they're a child, and you're constantly dragging them along, right? They are not competent. They don't know how to navigate life, which is why we want to date men and women, and we don't want to date little boys and little girls, right? We need people that are adults. We need people that are uh, competent, right? We need people that, um, when, it comes to, when, it, when it comes to life, um, it's helpful to have a really good life partner. You can navigate life in a really healthy way as a single person. And as a single person, you, you create a network of really helpful just friends and really helpful life partners to help navigate life together. Um, when you become married, you still have a network, but you kind of have a number one person, right? And there's this idea of a, of a covenant. And with this number one person in exclusive dating, we're evaluating who this number one person in our life is going to be. Um, there's, a, uh, there's, there's a competency, right? There's a competency. Um, and that they have as we're navigating life, right? So for me, whenever I was, um, whenever I was um, single, um, I would have to like get off work, get home, do laundry, cook a meal, or step out Chick Fil A, um, 
Um, I, would, I would have to change the oil in my car. I would have to do all of these just life, life management things, right? And this is what you do as a single person. It's normative, right? You have to upkeep the house. You just have to uh, figure out the law, and you have to do all of these things, schedule doctor's appointments. These are just things for living, things that adults do to live. Um, whenever I got married, that was the biggest thing that I was unaware of, was Lauren was right there, and she took, like, a lot of the responsibilities, or, like, half the responsibilities that I had. It's where my life was like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, so easy. Whoa. Like, I'm ready to just, like, do everything myself because that's what I did when I was single. When you're married, there's a life partner to navigate life with. And it's like you're, like, this buddy cop duo. Like, let's do this. You ready? All right, and just ready to, like, navigate life. And you're just kind of going through and moving forward. And that's what we're looking for um, is competency. Um, next is um, community buy-in. Community buy-in. Okay. <laughs> you may be this person or you may know this person. Nobody understands the love that we have. Nobody understands our relationship, right? Here's the reality. Everybody understands it. You don't. <laughs> if everybody is saying the same thing about your relationship, it's because people see things that you don't. Now, have you heard the phrase, love is blind? Not the show on Netflix, just the phrase, right? If you see that phrase, it's because whenever we become exclusively dating someone, right, whenever we become infatuated, our, um, our blinders are just, like, so strong that we, we literally can't see, which is why we have a network of really, of community, of people that are able to speak into our um, relationship, right? Um, so community buy-in. We need people to speak into our relationship and buy-in to this exclusive relationship that we have, right? So I had a buddy of mine. And he was um, friendly dating and then exclusively dating um, this girl. And, um, and now, like, they're processing marriage and trying to explore marriage. And he's going around and telling people, he's like, I think I'm going to marry her. Um, and my question to him was, hey, man, um, just from what I've observed, um, um, uh, do you, is she aware of her blind spots? Do, I don't need to know, like, the worst things about her. But do you know the worst things about her? Do you all talk about that? Is that a safe relationship where you can talk about blind spots? Um, because I'm not sure if she's someone that, um, I'm just curious, I don't want to assume, but I'm just curious if you've had that conversation. And his response back to me was, oh, why does everyone keep asking me the exact same question? And my response was, I don't know, bro. Why, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think everyone? It's because community was able to see something that he did not. So community buy-in. Um, and lastly, um, career, career. So on Disney Plus, there's an amazing, um, there's an amazing uh, documentary called Free Solo. And in Free Solo, there's this guy named Alex Honnold, who's a who, who's a, a rock climber, but he scales like 3,000 foot mountains and doesn't use any harness. And if he falls, he dies. And he's aware of this, right? So he trains and he practices and he scales these mountains. So he starts dating. Um, in, in the documentary, they show him that he's starting to date um, the, um, this woman named Sunny. Um, so Sonny eventually comes in, she's like, oh, it's so cool that you're a professional rock climber, right? Whoa. And then halfway through the documentary, she's like, are you sure you want to keep being a rock climber? Like, I don't think that's good for you. You should not do that anymore, right? And, and uh, Lauren and I are watching this, and we're like, whoa, she was aware of what he did before they started dating, right? And as you're dating, you're aware of somebody's career, right? And we don't need to come in and try to, like, change somebody's career to fit what we want. We needed to see the trajectory in the career and evaluate, along with the other five Cs, is somebody on the trajectory that we um, want to be on. Okay. So, so those are the five Cs. It's character, um, uh, competency, community buy-in, and career. And also, um, I was wrong. 
the slides were right. I skipped, I, I missed the second one. The second one was, was exactly on the screen. I, just, I missed it. Uh, chemistry, right? It's, but this is e easier to explain. Chemistry. Um, is, there, is there natural chemistry? Is there natural rapport? Do you guys vibe? It's important. Okay. And number four, land on the plane here. Um, are, are you moving toward love and marriage? Oh, so, so, um, so with... Um, ha healthy habits and exclusive dating, number four, is you want to move toward love and marriage or breaking up. This is the biggest difference between friendly dating and exclusive dating. In friendly dating, you can just kind of camp out in friendly dating, right? And you can friendly date multi uh, different people, get to know different types of people. Friendly dating can almost be an in and of itself as you're doing fun things with fun people. Um, in exclusive dating, you don't spiral. You got to move. You're either moving toward love and marriage Excuse me. Or you're moving toward breaking up. If you've been exclusively dating somebody for a long time, you've experienced this. Um, that's not good. It's not natural, right? Friendly dating is the phase where we can just kind of kind of hang out a little bit. But in exclusive dating, you're on this path, right? Which is why um, if you're going to pause and slow things down, you don't need to slow things down into friendly dating. You need to slow things down before you get into exclusive dating. Because once you get on the exclusive dating train, now you're moving. And you're moving somewhere. And you're either moving toward love and marriage or you're moving toward um, breaking up. So with moving toward love and marriage or moving toward breaking up, um, we want to notice the trend lines, right? Notice the trend lines. Is it trending up? Is it trending down or is it holding steady, right? I ask this often for people that are, that are dating. I was like, hey, is it trending up? Is it trending down, holding steady? Like, what's, what's the, how's the stock market, right? Is it, is it trending up? Is it trending down? Is it holding steady, right? Because you want to notice the data point because we're figuring out, is this somebody that I want to be with, right? And um, us being in an exclusive dating relationship forever that does not lead toward marriage is not the best place to be. Right? Now, the reason we may fear love and marriage um, is because, or maybe we don't fear love, but maybe, maybe we do, um, but perhaps for, for many of us we fear marriage, is because our parents had a terrible marriage. And because of that, we experience what marriage is like, which is why we're willing to pretend like we're married without actually getting married, because it's fear. But as we, as we talked about in the, the kickoff message of the Modern Romance series, is we want to move out of confidence and security in Jesus and not out of fear. And if we're incredibly fearful, I don't have enough time to explain all this, but if we're incredibly fearful about marriage, right, we need to be mindful of that and start processing that and not allow um, our fear um, to keep us from wanting to move uh, to marriage. So we want to notice the trend lines. Okay, so with... Um, uh, wrapping up here, with, with marriage, here's three things that I want us to, to monitor, is passion, intimacy, and commitment. If we're really, really processing, um, if we're really, really processing what um, exclusive dating and some marriage looks like, we want to look at passion, we want to look at intimacy, we want to look at commitment. Um, um, here's a book. I don't, it's not on the screens here, but if you're, serious, if you're exclusively dating, I would highly, 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 10 out of 10, recommend this book. Um, because this book will help you get married, it will help you break up, right? And this, the name of this book is called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, where they talk a lot more about this. I don't have enough time to get into this right now. Passion, intimacy, and commitment. But here's what they say in the book. This is Drs. Les and Les Leslie Perel in their book, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. Here's what they say. Every successful marriage is the result of two people working diligently and skillfully to cultivate their love when they, when it, when they combine passion, intimacy, and commitment. And they are able to grow a flourishing healthy marriage, right? So, so here's the question when you're exclusively dating. So when do you love somebody? Here's my, here's my take. When you're ready to marry them. 
when you're ready to marry them is the best time to let them know that you love them. Um, if you're saying I love you without any intent to marriage, you and I just have a very different definition of love, right? So you're able to operate on your definition of love, but you, we have a very defi different definition of love if we start using, if we start dropping L-bombs um, before we're ready to start talking about marriage and start making plans. Because after you say I love you, right? And they're like, hey, I love you. I want to start, start talking through marriage. And they're like, man, I love you too. Let's, I, I want to get married too. Okay, great. The rest is just details. Now you're like picking a date. Now you're just like moving forward with logistic stuff. Um, but that's the best time. So if you feel like you're moving toward marriage, um, please do not rely on one message, even though it was a long message, admittedly. Please do not rely on one message to decide if you want to marry somebody or not, right? It takes a lot more processing. So come talk to us. Come talk to me. Come talk to our team. And we would love to talk you through that. Um, now, lastly, I've said I'm wrapping up like 14 times. I really am wrapping up here. Okay. Lastly, I'm sitting down for this one. We're either moving toward marriage or we're moving toward breaking up. I don't know if you've ever been through a breakup. It's incredibly painful. It's incredibly hard, right? Where even, even if you're the one that's breaking up with somebody, it's still incredibly painful and incredibly hard. Even if you're the one that ends an exclusive relationship, it's incredibly painful and incredibly hard. Now, some of us may not even get to that, the, the painful part of even pushing through because we just feel so lonely. We feel so anxious to where we can't even fathom the thought of uh, breaking up with somebody or ending something that should end, right? We know we're not marrying someone and we're still in this exclusive relationship because um, we just can't even fathom the thought, like the, the thought of them not being in our life, the thought of um, having to navigate life without them, the thought of just being alone. It's not even them, but they're better than being alone, so we just suck it up with them, right? Um, uh, breaking up, if you're in an exclusive dating relationship, it's moving, and if it's not moving toward marriage, it's moving to a breakup. So for some of us, the thing that we need to do is break up. Break up with somebody, right? And as we're doing that, um, we know that even though it's gonna be incredibly hard, um, and incredibly painful, ultimately, we know deep down, if we're honest, that's the best thing that we can do, right? Um, there was one person that I was going to a breakup with, and I literally had a panic attack in the middle of the breakup. She was very kind to me, right? So we, we talked through that, um, and then at the end of it, I was like, okay, well, bye, <laughs> and left. Um, but like, I, I, I know the, the anxiety that it produces, the, the, the fear that it can produce. So how do, we, how do we break up? We need to be clear. Don't leave room for ambiguity, be clear. Um, from my perspective, there's no such thing as a break, right? Just break up, right? If you need to break up with somebody, um, break up. Also, it's helpful, um, don't give more information than you need to. You don't need to give a, a laundry list that you've been keeping for six months of everything that they've done wrong. You don't need to do that. You, need, you don't need to tell them that um, you, know, you find them ugly. You don't need to do that, right? And that you've been tolerating their looks for six months. You don't need to do that, right? Um, be, be, be clear, but also you, less, less is better, right? You don't need to give details. All you need to say is, hey, this wasn't, hey, I, I you know, care about you. Um, I enjoyed the experience. This isn't leading toward marriage, and because it's not leading toward marriage, it's best for us to break up. That's really all you need to say, right? If there's more to process, you can process. If they start asking why, um, again, if you're in a specific situation, like come talk to us, we want to help navigate you through your specific situation, but you really don't need to give a lot of detail because what will happen is somebody who's getting broken up with will hold on to whatever you say as gospel truth. 
and they'll hold your preferences as the preferences for everyone in the world, right? And then even though, even though um, you're broken up, they'll still live their life sometimes to cater to your preferences even though you're broken up because subconsciously they're still trying to earn your love. So we need to be careful of that and be kind in that so we can be clear, but we can be, keep, it, keep it short. Um, know that things will be different. The relationship is going to be different, and that's okay. You're not going to go back to how things used to be. You're not going to go back to how things were before the breakup, right? In the ideal, yes, but in reality, it doesn't work like that. There needs to be time. There needs to be space. So give each other, give each other space. You're not going to be friends before um, like you used to. Um, and we want to lean into, um, lean into time apart and lean into, lean into healing, right? So there was, when I was in... And when I was in college, um, there was somebody that I was dating that was in my, in my life group. Um, and then we needed to, we dated for 12 days. It was like a junior high relationship. Uh, but it was, time, it was time to end, and actually she broke up with me. Um, so, so then I was like, okay, well, can we be in the same life group? And then the college pastor said, hey, may it be best for y'all not to be in the same life group anymore? And both of us are like, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Like, we can do this. And like the neck, and then it was like kind of cool, but then it got super, super weird. It just got really weird. And that's been my um, what I've noticed in breakups is typically like right after the breakup, like the next week, it almost kind of feels like you're still dating or like processing the breakup with each other, and it just gets increasingly more weird. So the best thing you can do is just to be clear at the moment of the breakup and say everything you need to say in the moment of the breakup, and then move on, right? Um, and lastly, um, don't check in with them. I know you care about them. I know you want to care about them. Do not check in with them. Healthy people have a network of relationships before they even enter into a dating relationship. Healthy people keep their, keep their healthy network of relationships while exclusively dating. If you are the only person in their life, that is not healthy. You need to have a network of relationships even while exclusively dating, right? So, so breaking up, you don't feel like you need to check in with them because they just trust that they have good people in their life that can check in on them, right? And you can't be their savior. You can't be their emotional support um, during this time. I know it's hard. I know for some of us we can do this. And um, I'm glad that we're able to spend some moments together uh, being able to um, just process friendly dating, process exclusive dating. And what we're going to do is um, we're going to... Um, uh, we're going to sing together. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing together. And then after we sing together, um, we're going to have an awesome family moment with Lucas and Carolina that are here tonight hanging out with us. We're going to have a moment to get to pray over them and send them off and commission them. Um, but I'll, I'll pray, we'll sing, and then we'll do the uh, prayer commissioning. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you just for your love and for your kindness. God, thank you for, um, just for loving us. God, I thank you just as we're processing dating, as we're processing moving toward marriage, as we're processing breaking up, God, give us the courage and the strength from you and not from ourselves to be able to do what you're calling us to do, God. I pray that we can hear, hear from you, God, and I pray that we can do what you say. Um, God, and I pray that um, um, we can cultivate um, incredibly healthy dating relationships, exclusive relationships that move into, God willing, incredibly healthy uh, marriages. God, and I think, pray for the city of Orlando, that the table can be a place where incredibly healthy uh, relationships be formed. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.